Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Sports Day. There's so much soccer news at the moment. Coons, the Matildas, they'll be keen to make amends tomorrow when they face Canada. Man United, is, well, it seems to be imploding a little bit. I shouldn't laugh, but they're certainly plagued by rumours of internal discontent. Plus, Ange Postacoglu, we love his story, the A-League, and so much more. To unpack it as a man who I grew up watching on Fox religiously every single Saturday night. I'd watch the A-League into the EPL, him and Mark Bosnich and uh, Adam Peacock were the main ones. Others were involved as well. His name is Robbie Slater. He's a soccer who's great. He also works for News uh, Limited and he joins us now. Robbie, welcome to Sports Day. Yeah, good day, boys. Uh, good to be here and uh, listen, don't feel bad about laughing at Manchester United. If you don't support us, <laughs> Yeah, everyone's laughing. So. <laughs> well, let's start there with Manchester United. This is a report on Sky Sports News overnight yep. in the UK. My information, for what it's worth, is that some of the players are confused about what is happening and he has lost elements of the dressing room. Uh, one source telling me that he's lost about 50% of the dressing room. Uh, quite a few players are unhappy with the style of play. They also feel that they're training too hard and they're running too much during training. And I was told that the players don't know what they're running for. So something really gets me going in sort of sadistic way, Robbie, about um, coaches in the Premier League being sacked mid-season, especially when it's not like they're down in the relegation dogfight. But can I just read out some headlines for you over the past nine years? I saw this on Twitter today. So this is a headline from January 2014. David Moyes is losing the dressing room, says a new report. This is April 2016. Uh Louis van Gaal reportedly losing the dressing room. This is 2018 in October. Jose Mourinho has lost the Manchester United dressing room. 2021, November, the dressing room revolt that led to Solskjaer's sacking. And 2022, (laughs) Man United uh, dressing room losing faith in... um, in their latest manager. So, I Someone's mean, got to find the dressing room. What, what, what's, what's, going, what's going on, Robbie? What's going on at Man United? I think it was an Adam who just said, we've got to find the dressing room. Yeah. It, looks like, it looks like old, uh, old Trafford's lost its uh, dressing room for the best part of a decade. So it's incredible. <laughs> now, listen, I've been in a lot of dressing rooms, right? Uh, look, it's great newspaper headlines. I've played in relegation fights. Obviously, I've played in other fights that are better, you know, winning the Premier yep. League. I've played in, you know, some great. I played in a great team, a couple of other good teams, and then I played in some, you know, if you go by, you know, fighting relegation, you're not one of the better teams. Uh, and in all my years, I've never seen a dressing room lost in the way that they try to explain it. It's like the way they explain it, it's like oh, they've lost fifty percent. I don't know what 
do all the players get in in the morning and they all sit down and, you know, you have a show of hands. Like, you know, one day it's 30% then it's, you know, it's, it's 50% a week later. I don't buy it. There's always unhappy players in any dressing room. And basically the unhappy players are usually the players that are not, uh, not playing much at the moment. Or, like Marcus Rashford, as we saw uh, in Manchester United's loss to Newcastle, he was playing in a position that he obviously didn't want to be playing. He doesn't like playing on the right side. He likes playing on the left side. And, I, you know, I watched the game against Newcastle, and for me, Rashford just sulked the whole game. He refused to, to chase his left fullback. And, you know, when he was subbed, you know, I think the lip readers, you know, came up with, you know, what am I doing here with a couple of adjectives? And, uh, you know, so there, there are, there's definitely unhappy players. It's not going well for Ten Hag. The, the results, you can see that. But um, where are Man United going to go? I mean, it's like how many managers now since Sir Alex Ferguson left all those years ago? You know, you've gone through the Mourinho, Van Hal, Solskjaer, David Moyes. You know, Ten Hag was supposed to be the one. So I don't know. You're like six or seven games into a season. And yes, it's not going well, but I don't know. I just don't know where you go. It's not like, yeah, I don't think they were ever favourites for a title run uh, this season, but it's not like they're, you know, in the relegation fight. So. I think the board would be thinking long and hard about what to do. I don't believe this. they've lost the dressing room yet. They'd be unhappy players. Um, like I said, most of them are the ones not playing. Or cases like Rashford where he's not happy where he's playing. So I think Ten Hag just has to find, you know, you know a bit of fun. I don't, look, we don't see their training sessions, obviously, from all the way over here. But I have heard that his sessions are quite hard. And maybe he needs to look at himself and change something. I think the good managers, uh, and definitely the great managers, know how to, 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 to change change things up. Maybe they need a, you know, maybe they need a break. Maybe they need a night out. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I know football's in this this atmosphere now of you know they earn so much money and you can't do this and you can't do that. But at the end of the day, you, they're still footballers. They're human beings. So. You need to you need to be having fun. That's what football is all about as well. So take us inside the dressing room. The squeakiest wheel gets the most grease, as they say. What what are the personalities of a Premier League? Like just just generally, could it be one or two players that are upsetting the whole rhythm? Of this group, you mentioned Rashford, uh, Rashford um, yeah. Sooking. Uh, uh, tactically, what do they look like on the pitch compared to you know what you're hearing from possibly one or two players? Is it can it be one or two players that can upset the whole team? Hundred percent. You know when it's a big personality, and from what I saw against Newcastle, Rashford, you know, could be that personality that's um, you know upsetting the whole dressing room. You know, but his reactions being substituted and whatnot. It's not what you expect. Um, you know, Bruno Fernandes would be a big personality. I mean, he is one given to throwing his arms up in the air when the, the ball doesn't get played to his feet in the proper fashion. And I, I just think when you talk about tactical structure, you know, I listened to um, Roy Keane's comments after the game, after the Newcastle game, and you know, some of the players don't seem to 
to know their position. Like Bruno Fernandes can be on the left wing, the right wing. He can be getting the ball off the goalkeeper. He seems to be in a lot of places he really doesn't need to be. You know, and, you know, I think for Bruno Fernandes, he needs a position. I think players need a position and a starting point. And Ten Hag's, Ten Hag's, you know, the way it's, he's playing it at the moment, the teams he's putting out, you know, taking Rashford onto the right-hand side, where we all know he's much more effective on the left-hand side. And he probably does that because Ganacho had scored a, you know, a world-class bicycle kick. But, you know, one world-class bicycle kick shouldn't upset, you know, the whole balance of the whole team. The, the three-all draw, Tottenham uh, with Man City, I mean, I haven't watched every single game this season, but I do watch it quite a bit. And that was a point that I think was uh, highly unexpected given the Spurs' injury woes and the way they've been playing over the past sort of two or three weeks. But um, I've never seen uh, Erling Haaland as animated as what I saw him towards the end of that game. Um, did you watch it? And, and what have you made of um, the Spurs, I, I guess, Tottenham's last two or three weeks? Well, it's a welcome point after losing three on a row. And out of all the games, it's probably the place where you never thought any points were going to come, such as, you know, Manchester City is probably the hardest place to go in world football at the moment. Um, did they have a bit of luck? Possibly a lot of luck? Yeah, they certainly did. Uh, the first half, as Ange said in his post-match, uh, that, you know, they could have been out of sight. City should have been out of sight. You know, five clear-cut chances at the very least that uh, Harlan missed two sitters and they, they really played Tottenham off the park. I would have liked to have been a fly in the wall of the Spurs dressing room at half-time, but certainly Spurs came out in the second half and were markedly better, uh, although City still dominated the match, as you, you would expect. But with no Madison, you know, no Romero, no Papi Sarr, um, you know, so many players missing, uh, you know, it was a fantastic point. And to score in, you know, the last minute of the game uh, was very pleasing. But they got a bit of luck, and that's sometimes that's what you need. Uh, the next two games, they got, he'll be relieved to have two home games, um, and Postacoglu, they'll play West Ham at home uh, Thursday morning, I think that is. And then they've got uh, Newcastle at home. So that'll be a tough one. But as far as Haaland and, you know, his reaction to what was a ridiculous decision. I mean, it's one of the most ridiculous I've <laughs> seen in recent times where, you know, it's clearly play on. Haaland's fouled. He's going down. He waves to play on because he gets up and you know, makes a pass which sees Grealish going one-on-one with with the keeper and for some inexplicable reason, the referee brought it back and it was an extraordinary decision. I think one that's going to cost him definitely a, a Premier League game in the next few weeks. I think he'll be, he'll be out. Do you think Tottenham can hold on for a Champions League qualification? I think it's tougher now. Uh, and he said he will be getting players back. He'll get Romero... Get Papi Sarr. He's already got Udogi back uh, at left fullback. Madison won't be back till the end of January uh, at the earliest. That's the one he really wants. Um, Basuma was back against Manchester City, but you know, with Newcastle looming, Aston Villa are obviously playing so well as well. And uh, I don't think I thought a few weeks ago that they looked, and it was very early, but they looked okay. So, they look like they're going to get, get a Champions League spot. They're not, certainly not out of it um, at all. 
um, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of competition looming. I, I enjoyed Burnley's big win as well. There's certainly a result I didn't I didn't see coming. Can I ask you about the Matildas? Um, I watched Andy Harper's takedown after the match. Was it embarrassing the Matildas 5-0 loss to Canada? I guess probably the best way to frame it is how embarrassing was it given the, the 11 they put out on the pitch? Yeah, look, it was embarrassing. It's not really what's needed. You know, you want to be building confidence going to, you know, thinking of the Olympic Games where you would have thought with our performance, you know, we went to the semi-final of the World Cup in our own country that, you know, we're a medal chance, uh, even a gold medal chance uh, in, in Paris. And this is not the best way to prepare. I just don't understand why you play a full-on second eleven against Canada in their own country, who are the Olympic gold medalists. So, you know, they're no mugs. I mean, for me, if you're going to blood players and young players and give them a start, that's fair enough. But you you have have experienced players around them to not end up with the result you get. So I don't know what Tony Kostavison was trying to achieve. He's doubled down and saying he's going to do it again. Um, I don't think that we'll see that uh, when they play tomorrow. Um, but for me, it's the whole question of the future with Gustavus, and I think he clearly wants to leave. Now, he won't commit uh, to after Paris, and you know, it, 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 he was linked to the American job, which he didn't get, and he's been linked to the Swedish men's job, which is obviously a very big job in European football. So I've got a feeling he wants out. What about the Socceroos? Uh, Asian Cup campaign kicks off in... January. What's their group looking like? Oh, the group stage looks very comfortable. Um, and uh, we should get through that quite easily. We'll be one of the favourites, of course. But it won't be easy. There's this, when I say one of the favourites, I don't think we'll be clear favourites. It's obviously in the Middle East. So the, the teams like Saudi and Iran are very, very, very strong sides. Uh, of course, you've got Japan and South Korea. So, but we'll be we'll be there amongst it, and I, I think it's it's the way in which Graham Arnold looks at this Asian Cup. Whether it's you know you take your most experienced side, that means the older players, and you, you're there to win it, or of course you're still there to win it, or do you look you're looking forward to the next world you know next World Cup, and because we we have some older players who are not going to make it, and you look at you know, bringing in some younger players looking forward to the next World Cup, which is, you know, far more important than uh, than the Asian Cup. Robbie, last one from me. Do you ever play any soccer anymore, whether it's futsal or five-a-side or outdoor, or are you completely retired? <laughs> no, nah, completely retired, mate. I have a kick around with, with my son, you know, up at the park, but... Um, yeah, certainly no. Um, I've made far too enemies to be playing. <laughs> well, you're not an enemy of us. You're a friend of the show. Really appreciate you coming on and uh, look forward to seeing your work over the coming months as the uh, football seasons on these shores and overseas heat up. Great stuff, guys. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Socceroos great. Robbie Slater, a wealth of knowledge and uh, certainly one of the most astute voices in the round ball game.